Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier, and as ever, Julian Evans. Now, history could be made again this week with the UK Armed Forces men's football team gunning for glory in the Kentish Cup, playing at an international level in Europe's oldest cup competition. The new lads coming in and they've looked at we're, we're the holders of the competition and you look at our name on there the past four times, I think that's just enough. You know, the Kentish Cup to play international football at the top level is, is that's it and, we, you know, we want to win. That's right, the boys have won this cup for the last four times it's been contested. The last one being almost three years ago in the Netherlands at the end of 2019. It is, of course, a three-way tournament between the UK, the Dutch and French forces. I've never been on a losing side as part of the Kentish Cup. I came in um, and we were winning straight off the bat and I just picked up that sort of winner's mentality. I just don't want to lose. I never want to lose anyway, but it's one of them things where if I could finish my whole UCAF career never losing a Kentish, that'd be unbelievable and sort of end as I began. Yeah, it'd be great. Now, these fixtures normally fall in the winter, but the team feel they have some great momentum going into the Kentish Cup thanks to a last gasp 2-1 win over the Irish Defence Forces last month. The main thing for me is that they take pride in wearing the shirt, whether that's in training or that's a game, and they just go out and enjoy it because most of these guys, when they're enjoying the football, they get the best out of each other, and that's where we are. And we've got things to prove. We've obviously been coming off the win with COVID as well. Is we want to retain it, and that, that's amongst everyone from the staff to all the players involved. So that hunger is always there, whether it's in training or whether we're going in the competitive games as well. Now, Jules, I mean, it feels like a long time ago that win in, in 2019. Good morning. Now, Jules, that win in 2019 feels like quite a while ago now. Like I said, almost three years ago. But we have seen, obviously, the UCAF men play games in between that time. But um, it's good that the Kentish Cup has finally come round again. Sounds like they're prepped and ready to go. Interesting that it's a summer tournament this year. Yeah. Europe's oldest cup competition. And, of course, the World Cup, normally a summer competition, <laughs> is a winter competition. So it's difficult to keep up with your cups. We Not like your to mi- cups, one's cups. <laughs> We like to mix it up. Now, even royalty's got involved. The Duke of Cambridge has is he sent playing? His... Is he playing? <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're that desperate yet. Um, they've sent. <gasps> oh, Your Majesty! <laughs> cover your ears. <laughs> He's sent his best wishes to the teams involved, and of course, this, like you say, is technically the the hundredth anniversary. The competition officially got underway in 1921, and there's only been breaks for major global events like world wars and pandemics. So they couldn't celebrate last year in 2021, but they're still using this opportunity to celebrate that 100 years of competition. So good luck to the UK Armed Forces men's football team in the Kentish Cup. Now, talking of seasonal variations in sport, one sport that should be taking place in the summer did. And it was a wonderful day at Lord's last week for the Inter-Services T20 at the home of cricket. Nice to be back there for the first time since 2019. Of course, last time it was at Arundel Castle and a very confident army team defending their title. Well, they did come away winners again this time. The men in red beating the Royal Navy by 43 runs and then they beat the RAF by 62 runs. Their captain, Jay Boynton, was over the moon. The team that I've got is just, I can't describe it to you, they're absolutely brilliant, honestly. They're just they're so talented and, and I'm just glad that we did it on the day today. So You really had a game plan that worked. You know, It showed today that you could get 168 in the 20 overs and no one else could. Yeah, like, uh, Tade's a phenomenal player. He's so talented and in my opinion, he should have never joined the Irish, he should have been a professional <laughs> cricket player. However, he's in my team and I'm so thankful for that. 
But yeah, we just we we really in the first game we didn't really get out of second gear. Um, we were just but then the third the, the last game sorry against the RAF I thought we were a bit too short really the batting we should have we should have got more runs. But yeah, with our boiling, we've just come back and we've just won the game, so it's brilliant. What a weird two years it has been for the, for the whole world. You know, it, the memories of being back at Lords. I know you had Aaron de Castle and a win last year, but going back to 2019 was the last time you won here. How special is it to retain it here as well? Yeah, it's always special and always coming back, and it's thanks to Lords for having us back. And it's it's been great having the women play as well. So it's a bit of a d different format as well with having a bit of a rest as well. So it's it's been it's been really really good. So. Thank you to Lords and hopefully we can come back next year. Kath talking to Jay, the army skipper, but the man they were talking to in the middle of all that was Tade Carmichael and he was player of the match. Well, I suppose he was player of the day, really, because <laughs> he scored, was it 62 runs against... And against the Navy and 74 six, yeah, against Yeah, 62 against 74 and, and he, was, he was pretty pleased as well with his performance. Yeah, I'm very much pleased. I'm very much happy to be back here. Um, my last time here was, I think, was 2017 and getting one of the tournament as well. So it's like I'll have a good time at Lords, you know. <laughs> Tell us what it's like to, to hit a six here at Lords. <laughs> well, the short boundary there is, is very easy, but, <laughs> but the long boundary is a bit hard. You know, you have to you really time it to get it over the ropes in the straight boundary. But it's, it's really good to play here. It's a really good ground. and it's one, it's, It was one of my dreams to play here. So it's really good. Yeah, it is the home of cricket. It's known the world over. You were, you know, a lot of your colleagues say that you could have gone on and played professionally, but is this good enough for you? Are you happy with this lot? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I just, you know, want to enjoy my cricket. You never know what the future holds. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing in, in Nottinghamshire League and I'm like scoring heavy runs there. So hopefully, you never know. I could get called. You never know. You're never too late. Well, fingers crossed for Tate. That would be an exciting story for us. But the day at Lords last week was really special because it was a celebration of all things forces cricket, and that included the UK Armed Forces women's team. They became the first ever women's military side to be invited to play on the main pitch at Lords, and they only went on to beat the MCC women. Uh, they won that fixture by six wickets, and afterwards, was it you, Kath? Yeah, it was me. Yes. Uh, yeah, Kath, busy <laughs> again. again. You again, <laughs> Kath, busy as always. She caught up with winning skipper Connie Kant and wicket taker Lou Worsfold, and also the scorer of the winning runs and birthday girl Mel Vaggers. I couldn't have asked for a better performance from everyone. Uh, Lugal especially. Amanda was phenomenal with the bowling and batting. Vaggers had an exceptional day. My sister disappointed he did quite well. <laughs> it's been really good all round. <laughs> were, there, were there any worries there in the middle of the innings? I think probably when I got my phenomenal golden duck was probably where the worries started. And then we had a little collapse and then we settled right back down. And, and Georgie Dean and Vaggers both batted the most sensible I think I've seen them bat in a really long time. And it was really impressive and really good to see. And it, I was never worried about the match. I just thought these they're going to see us right through. So. I feel like I jinx you by asking about all the big boundaries you're going to hit. I know, I'm blaming you entirely. <laughs> I'm fine. I'll take it. Um, Lou, how did it feel? I mean, a one-handed sort of juggle catch that you took um, another lovely catch and two wickets as well I know I'm not making out that you won it single-handedly but how did it feel to be part of the first wicket here for the first ever women's military team to be invited to play here it was it was great just to be able to contribute uh, whether it was the first wicket or the last wicket it was just great to be part of the team be part of the occasion and, and contribute and help towards the, the team win. I'm just walking around here I've been stopped by people you know congratulating the team on on how well they've done the fact that you know they've commented about how well that women's service 
sport cricket actually is. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about you know our standards, and we've gone out there and we've showcased as a team uh, how good we really are. Mel Vaggers, um, congratulations not only on the UCAF win and winning the scoring runs, but you know, 39 again, you must feel great. Oh, it's what an amazing day. I mean, it's been amazing, so I haven't had to think about my birthday up until when we finished. Um, and it's been an amazing day, performance cricket, uh, services cricket here. Um, it's just been a real privilege to, to be here and, and, and play for the first time on the, on the main ground alongside the men. Uh, and the fact that I haven't had to think about my birthday has been amazing. So, um, yeah, really good, thank you. Did you hear that the band also played Happy Birthday? They for did. Yeah. yeah, and there was a, Keevan came up on the big screen when she was scoring her winning run. So she was trying to forget her birthday. Meanwhile, the rest of the ground knew about it. Yes, yeah, celebrating a milestone and leading your side to a milestone victory. Where did you do that interview, by the way? It sounded like Waterloo Station. I think the audio is a, a bit fun. I mean, we had Lord, was, the, the, what I love about the Lord's ground staff is the minute that last ball is bowled or caught or, or hit or whatever, they are on it, aren't they? Straight Immediately. On with their, with their so there were, and yeah, there were and... lawn, lawn mowers and all that going on behind. So, yeah, it sounded incredibly windy, but it was a stupidly hot day in the end. But, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant day, Jules. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to that again next year. Well, hope, hopefully next year we'll more of the same, please. It's been a busy week as well in football, in the Royal Navy football final. That was played last Wednesday. HMS Collingwood, can you believe this, won their first title for four decades. <laughs> wow. Um, and they, they, well, they managed to score a 1-0 win over the Royal Naval Air Station Cauldros thanks to an extra-time goal. So they, they really were sort of going for it there, trying to make that into a fifth decade by the sounds of things. But anyway, here's their winning skipper, Colour Sergeant Stu Morgan. Look, the lads are a class. 120 minutes worth of football in that eight is outrageous. But um, look, I was always confident we we're going to get the result. And, and I said to the little man when he came on, I said, you're going to win us the game. And obviously, without me trying to like look into the future, he absolutely <laughs> did. But, you know, fair play to the called Joe's boys. They were top draw again. What a battle they put on. And obviously the keepers are out of the match. Outstanding performance. But at the end of the day, we've gone home with a cup. And uh, first time in 38 years or something for Collingwood. So I couldn't be any proud of the lads. Stu Morgan. He sounds Cornwallian. He did, and the um, the goal scorer was very Scottish. So it was a nice sort of mixture of, of mm-hmm. where people are from and showcasing um, military sport. And just finally, on forces sport, Jules, we go out to France, where it was the first ever military sevens tournament, world military sevens tournament, wasn't it? I, so, I, I, didn't they, I think they've done one before. I think Rocco de Guni oh, featured okay. one. Um, okay. But I'm not sure that that featured women. So maybe this time it's a men's and women's. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, they were playing playing the likes of Australia and, of course, the host France. Um, and the men won their tournament. They beat the host France 24-10. Very similar um, to a score in the women's, but the women sadly missing out to their French counterparts 24-12. Looked pretty hot there too. It's been a, a week of good weather. <laughs> Across northern Europe, which is where we are, yeah, it's been pretty warm. Some of our stars as well, some of our rugby league stars have been busy playing yes. for, for Wales women. Somebody from the RF. I'm. I must. I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but I, I. I've never met them, so okay. I, I don't know. I don't know who it was, but I know that Beth Dainton was was back playing for Wales as they edged to victory against Italy women. Nice. It, uh, this is in the European. Is it Conference B? Just below the the top flight. Anyway, they're doing their best to get into the the top flight of that. And um, great to see Fern Davis, of course, mm-hmm. um, netball convert. Now playing rugby league, it's great when you see players multi-sport. Yeah, you know those those people that we're always jealous of, 
who yeah. who go on and, and represent their nation in tall and talented, <laughs> tall and talented, or small and not or... quite so talented. Uh, so so Fern used to play rug. Uh, she, she used to play um, uh, netball, and now she plays rugby league. But um, Jeff I'm sure Hurst, she's. Jeff I'm sure Hurst. she's dabbled in rugby union as well. Sir Jeff Hurst. I do to... remember Jeff Hurst. He yeah. of the winning goal of Sir what 1966. Jeff... Jeff with a G, Hurst. Well, you could argue there were three of his goals that were winning. But anyway, he <laughs> yeah. he used to play cricket as well. He represented ah. Essex. But they can't do that anymore, can they? Professional players can't do that anymore. It's a lovely throwback when you see players dabbling or doing other sports. C.B. Fry, of course, he was very famous World War One. Um, he played cricket for England. He played football for England. I think he hit a 147 in snooker, could play darts. Uh, he was a, a leading <laughs> proponent of charades. Is that a sport? I'm sure Lionel, <laughs> a game. Lionel, Lionel Blair probably made it a sport, didn't he? I always remember it quite in our lifetime, New Zealand, um, the All Blacks players all seem to have played another sport for their country, like cricket. Je- so, Jeff so, Wilson. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was still happening, but you're right. I should think a, a professional's... Workload is too much in one sport now to, well, to I, do I, any trans. I can just about eat and watch the television at the same time. <laughs> well done, Jules. This, 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 this is sport. Thank you for listening. I'm Kath Brazier and I'm here with Julian Evans. Now, the UK Armed Forces men's football team will be looking to make history again this week by trying to win the Kentish Cup for the fifth time in a row. It's been almost three years since their stunning victory in the Netherlands at the end of 2019. And while the team and backroom staff have changed, the winning ethos and positive attitude remains the same. At a training session last week in the boiling hot sun of June, three of the team's senior players spoke to me about what it means to play international football in Europe's oldest cup competition. First up, you'll hear from the team captain, Danny Kerr, followed by Keith Emerson, then Michael Campbell. It's the Kentish Cup. I think maybe not just 2019, but the four years we've won it. We've won it from, I think it was 2014 onwards with gaps in the the programme. I think that adds a little bit of of pressure to continue that run. And I think that's what gives us inspiration. The new lads coming in and they've looked at, we're, we're the holders of the competition. And you look at our name on there the past four times. I think that's just enough. You know, the Kentish Cup to play international football at the top level is is that's it. And we, you know, we want to win. And how much do these guys? I mean, you weren't captain in 2019, but you you are now a, you know, a senior mend- member and leading the side out. How much do your your peers and the and the new boys coming in? How much do they look up to you for advice and kind of what sort of captain are you? You know, you are you handing out advice? Or are you just there if you needed to be? Um, both. I mean, I'm there when I needed to be. Um, I speak when I need to. I'm not an overly vocal captain off the pitch. On the pitch, I am more so. There's a lot of senior players, you know, words of advice here and there. If someone comes up to me, if someone has a good game, um, just let them know that I am there for them, uh, provide advice. So, but, you know, if we can do things better, I'll tell them that as well. Um, probably just a leader by example, I, I would say, rather than being a loud, shouty off the pitch. <laughs> And how much do recent games like uh, the win against the Irish Defence Forces and also the manner in which it happened very you know, last minute and in a competitive game, how much does that put you in good stead and in a good place ahead of the Kentish Cup? I think massively. Um, it's a marker in the sand, I think. It's good to win it. We don't, we don't lose many games, but we have lost to the Irish. Um, and when we've, when we've beat the Irish, we've generally gone on to win the Kentish Cup. So it's a, it's a, it's a little marker for us. Um, but each game's different. The squad's totally different now. Um, we've got it's a lot bigger. A lot of new lads have come back into the squad who weren't available in Ireland. So, but like I say, this team doesn't lose a lot, and, and to win that game just gives you gives us the momentum to continue that running running streak. 
And what sort of conversations are you having in training and sort of away from the pitch as well about the opposition? Because I know that, especially with military football, you don't necessarily know. There's no sort of spreadsheet explaining what the other side are like. You, you don't know the players necessarily. They will have changed as much as the UCAF side has changed. So what sort of conversations are going on ahead of those games in the way that you are choosing to play? I think mainly about us and how we can play and how we can affect the game and win the games. Um, the referees are mentioned every now and then just because it's different. What we see is a foul they don't uh, oversee. So it's getting that into the brains early, you know, to, to keep calm and, and under pressure. Things aren't going our way with the referee during the game. Just just keep our composure and, and keep playing the way that we want to play. So a lot of patterns of play, a lot of style of play. So it's mainly us. We haven't actually spoke about them. That, that we, we will do later on the week, I'm sure. But again, we can only go off 2019, which, as you know, the, the turnaround of plays in the military is is a lot. So uh, it won't be much on them. It'll be it'll be all about us. And just finally, in terms of fitness, um, injury, it seems you have the pick of the side at the moment. Um, question probably for the gaffer as well. But you know, is it looking strong? You're sort of in, you would say, like at least 99% of, of of attendance in that case. Yeah, absolutely. And there may be a couple of players missing, but we, we've got a, a great core of players there, 20 plus, I think. And you can name you can name two different starting 11s. Uh, any player can can play and and get us that result. So um, it's exciting. Are you excited, or are you sort of as captain a little bit nervous as well? Um, <laughs> yeah, both. I am nervous. I am nervous because I want to win for the boys, and and the, and the gaffer deserves it as well. So really, really want to win. Um, so nerves and excitement, a mixture of both. Oh, massive hunger and it's always a challenge for me. I think whether it's one game or one competition or like I say, I think going into my 18th competition now is it's always pride, an immense pride playing with some of these lads from the RAF and the Navy and the Army and representing that UCAF shirt. So I still have pride, that honour to put on that shirt every single time I get a chance to. Um, we've gone through, you've also gone several through several different regimes, you know, with UK Armed Forces. Um, how does this one compare with ones gone past? Do you, do you think it's an ever-improving um, process as well? Yeah, definitely. I think football just modernises constantly. There's always little 5% you can get out, whether that is the analyst side of it, the nutritional side, or just how training regimes come in. And I think every year and every regime I've gone through, it just they keep adding value and adding value, and it's only credit to those people involved. And what do you say to so the youngsters in the group who possibly haven't played a Kentish Cup before or a competitive fixture for the UK and forces? How do you, as one of the senior players, sort of drive them and make them believe in what they've got ahead of them next week? I think well, they're all here on merit. They, these people have all been selected from the best of their services, so they've got nothing to prove when they come into this environment. They've already proved that their individual service to get here. So the main thing for me is that they take pride in wearing the shirt, whether that's in training or that's a game. And, just go out and enjoy it because most of these guys when they're enjoying the football they get the best out of each other and that's where we are and we've got things to prove we've obviously been coming off the win with Covid as well is we want to retain it and that, that's amongst everyone from the staff to all the players involved so that hunger is always there whether it's in training or whether we're going in the competitive games as well. Um, you're on I think 100 army caps is it now and um, you know that, that speaks a lot. So do people do people come to you as a senior member and as someone who's been in service football for so long to ask that advice, whether that be about the game itself or about the, the mental side of it as well? I think a lot of the time when we're in between training sessions and we're sitting down, got a bit of downtime, I do get asked a couple of questions. And I mean, I'm fortunate to have been able to play as long as I have. And I think officially I've probably played nearly 150 caps rather than 100. So, but... The games are changing now where when I first started we were playing 10 games a season the guys now are playing maybe three or four competitive fixtures so they're not getting that contact time now because there is a more important things going on and yes sport's a massive part of what we do but 
it's not the be all and end all. So for me, I think it's just enjoying the time they get, whether that's the one game a couple of months or whether we're in for a tournament like we are now, is enjoy every moment because you don't know when it's going to be your last. So that's the main thing for me. As ever, the, the French and the Dutch forces, as you, the UCAF team are to a certain extent, in the, in the sense that because it's military football and because there are other things going on in the world, you, and, you know, this is not your first, first job. Um, in terms of looking ahead to, to playing against the French and the Dutch forces, is it a case of you know, concentrating, and I've asked you this before, concentrating on your own game rather than maybe trying to find out what their teams are like ahead of the Kentish Cup? Yeah, exactly. I mean, every team's going to have their kind of throughput and they're going to have players coming in and out when people leave the services, and we're no different. So all we can do is be the best team we can be in the best group, the best squad, and make sure that when we get that chance to play is that we give 100%, we give a good account of ourselves, and if we do that, we should have enough to beat any team, whether that's the French or the Dutch, but they'll equally say exactly the same thing. All they can do is beat themselves, and that's what makes it so challenging because we've got three nations that don't know each other. Um, by the time we play the Dutch in our first game, we get to sit back and watch the French play, so we'll know a bit more about the French when we see them on Wednesday, but coming into the camp, all three teams don't know enough about each other because people are got coming into the service and people are leaving the service, so it'll be, it'll be interesting next week especially. I've never been on a losing side as part of the Kentish Cup. I came in um, and we were winning straight off the bat and I just picked up that sort of winner's mentality. So next week, I, I just don't want to lose. I never want to lose anyway, but it's one of them things where if I could finish my whole UCAF career and never losing a Kentish, that'd be unbelievable and sort of end as I began. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, there are people in, in your side who, who have lost you know, competitive fixtures and have lost the Kentish Cup. What, what are the conversations that go on in, in the dressing room you know, at night, at dinner, about the Kentish Cup? Or, or do you try and stay away from the seriousness of the football ahead of, ahead of a big clash like this? I think at this stage, because we've only just met up, it's quite relaxed. I think everyone just sort of takes the training in its stride, gets to know the newer lads, if there is any new lads involved, um, get, get on the balls in training and stuff. And I don't really think people mention it until that it gets closer. So as we go towards Thursday, Friday, definitely into the weekend, people will talk about it more and more. And I just think it's because it is the free services and we all sort of sit around and, and we're in each other's pockets all, all week and next week. <laughs> Everyone just wants to win and everyone doesn't want to lose and then the senior players come out and they know what it takes to win and they've, some of them have also lost so it just becomes more and more positive and sort of more and more uh, intense I would say um, to, towards the Kentish Cup first game but then as soon as we get into that warm-up it's just, it's just another game, it's just normal practice for us. I think that's what it's like really. And um, how important it is, is it that you have the backroom staff that you have and the facilities that you have and the sort of, I would say, at least semi-professional kind of, um, I mean, the, the attitude and the approach is very professional, but in terms of what you have and the way that they set you up for a tournament like this, how much does that help in your preparation for, for this? I think the continuity between the, sort of the management, Defan coming in after Ding Dong was, you know, perfect really, because it, although the personality has changed, the drive... The, the professionalism, etc., has all stayed the same. People relate to Defan because he was around during that, that period and that successful period. Um, same with Jen, same with Dick. All these guys and Hell's just holding everything together. I think the continuity and then adding a few, like Brownie coming into the back room and obviously Evo, um, big characters, and also they know what it takes to lose. Uh, sorry, when and then have also lost, so they know what that feels like. 
and then just the, the same sort of senior players around as well. Everything feels like it's just gone on and it's just continuing to improve. So it's comfortable in a sense that we know what we're in for. We know what we're coming to do. We know that the training is going to be intense. We know that expectation and standards are going to be high. And I think it makes for a successful team. And finally, what does the dif how much difference does it make when you're, you're coming in not just off a win, but a win against the Irish Defence Forces away and such a spectacular win as well in, in such a manner. How does that help you and motivate you going into games against the Dutch and the French? Confidence breeds confidence. I mean, we weren't completely in control of that game in Ireland. However, we showed that even though they scored so late that we can, you know, it's not done until it's done. We've got players with unbelievable quality in this side that can get win your matches um, as, as demonstrated in, in Ireland. If we had lost that game, I don't think it would have changed the mentality this week, but ha having won it, it's definitely given us that extra 10%, I think, to start the week well. Um, just, yeah, massive. So those games, Jules, will be live on the Forces News YouTube channel, um, starting with the UKF, UKF versus Dutch at 7pm from Havant at Waterlooville on Monday night, and they'll be playing the French on Friday night also from Havant. So both those games live on the Forces News YouTube channel at 7pm. I'm sure we'll go live about 10 minutes before that. Some big names have played in that tournament over the years. I'm thinking of Frank and Ronald De Boer, the De Boer wow. twins. Yeah, so um, using all of their experience and nows from playing against Barcelona, or playing for Barcelona and Rangers and managing the Netherlands. Then, of course, they hadn't played for them then because back in those days, it, I think it was, <laughs> it, you had to do a little bit of national service if you were in the that's Dutch. That's right. Yeah, you're Dutch. right. Yeah. That's, why, that's why they were there. So in those days, UCAF were on the on the wrong side of, of the result. But, um, hey, we've got a winning team at the moment. So Yeah, I mean, 2019, it was the first time in um, UK and Forces history that had been won four times on a bounce I think the French and Dutch and I think it used to be a Belgium side that played in it as well um, and they'd won it as many times but it's the UK on forces history that they haven't what hadn't won it four times on a bounce and now they haven't won it five times on the bounce either so um, all the best of luck to them and like I say do go to our forces news YouTube channel for those games live um, we've got a little bit of time just to chat about sort of what's been going on in the world of oh, sports yeah, I tell you what I tell you what Anne-Marie Sale was the was the lady from the was the player from the RAF? She also well done, Jules. Sorry, I, I'm really sorry, Emery. We've never met. Um, normally, you're rushing past me on the rugby pitch, and I never get a chance to say hello. Um, but anyway, she well, there we go. That's someone won her, really... won her first cap for Wales Rugby League. Yes, someone well, we need to catch up with maybe on the guest. podcast at some point. Yep. Yeah. So, um, just I mean, first of all, Matt Fitzpatrick, 27 years old, winning the US Open, and producer Jamie's very pleased because he's Sheffield born, so they breed them well up there. They do breed them well. For, uh, th third Englishman in 50 years, I think. Yeah, ridiculous. Justin Rose was the last. Yeah, uh, and... Local lad to me. Well, not now. He, he mixes with the famous in, in America. <laughs> famous but, is... Yeah. Um, and cricket, Jules, um, we're moving on to the one day... I mean, we've got, obviously, the Headingley test coming up but meanwhile the ODI side are out playing the Netherlands in Amstelveen and they recorded they're just too short that magical 500 it's been magical amazing 500 498 it's not bad to break your own record <laughs> of course it isn't it? No, it's just 
I just assumed they would when Liam Livingstone was going for sixes. I thought, oh, he's gonna he's gonna hit that point, but um, a record nonetheless. And um, Catherine Brunt sadly retiring from international Test cricket, but just to focus on on white ball cricket, just I guess to extend her career a little more. I saw Catherine Brunt playing against RAF men several oh, years wow. ago at, at Louth. Yes, because they wanted to challenge themselves um, in the ahead of the Women's World Cup back in those days, and they they are invited the RAF men to play. It was really entertaining fixture. RF men, RF men won, but only just. Well, she's a, a stalwart, isn't she? She's been around for, yeah, for been years around for playing for cricket. Uh, Rugby Union Premiership final, a deserved win for Leicester, 15 12 in the, in the dying minutes. It was a first title for nine years, and Freddie Burns there. You, you watched yeah, that final. Yeah, slight, slight redemption for Freddie. Yeah. Well, our Bath fans won't think so. So, Freddie <laughs> was about to score for Bath when he was playing for Bath once, and just as he went over the try line, uh, a Toulouse defender came and knocked the ball out of his hands. Um, so this is sort of personal redemption, maybe not team redemption, but to slot over the, the winning drop goal in a final as close as that, I mean, that's that's something that, that boyhood dreams are made of. Yeah, well done, Freddie. And of course, it was all masterminded, really, by Steve Borthwick, who... He not, won Jamie, the prim- not Jamie Doig. <laughs> yes, kit man Jamie Doig. Or so Jamie Doig... Of- <laughs> Jamie Doig is one of our old, oldest friends, served in the army, helped the army, backroom staff playing a pivotal role now at the Tigers family as one of their backroom staff and, and he was there and he had a jolly old time. Yeah, I mean, the cup's nearly as big as him, which um, yeah. says a lot. Um, the tennis, uh, we've got Wimbledon next week, but Berrettini won again at Queen's, so um, he'll be in good form on the grass and really lovely to see him complimenting, well, flirting quite, quite honestly with Sue Barker because she's now announced that she's going to step down from that role um, after after Wimbledon. She's not going to be the main common main presenter. Are, are you, are you uh, volunteering for that role? <laughs> People always used to say to me, oh, "Are you going to be the next Sue Barker?" And I was like, "No, I'm the first Kath Brazier." And look at me now, Jules. <laughs> well, I, I, I would, but it's hard to see you over that bank of monitors. <laughs> maybe, maybe sit on the and cushion my, next time. My, my massive head. Anyway, looking ahead, of course, I said two games live this week: um, the Kentish Cups game against the Dutch and the French on our Forces News YouTube channel. There are plenty of ways for you to revisit all the Forces Sport podcasts at bfbs.com slash podcast or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more from us, please go to the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel where you can look back at all our chats. And of course, you can keep across us and Forces News on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. But that is it from Forces Sport. Do have a think of anyone you think worthy podcast material and contact us here at Forces Sport at bfbs.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.